I thought you guys would have been on better behavior in front of your summer editor. Not, not my summer right. editor. We see, we see that Austin and Chloe both have beverages, so the goal is another spit take. Let's launch this thing. <laughs> I hope there's audible on, like there's actual audio where I'm like, let's launch this thing. Oh, the, there, there was. Who, who gave us a podcast? <laughs> who let this happen? Kelsey did, because she's like, remember, she was like, you guys want to do this pod? And we were like, yes, let's do it. Welcome back to the DI Scoreboard, everyone. We are back after a multi-week hiatus. I am your host, Austin Hansen, joined as always by my co-host, Siobhan Chahuja. Siobhan, how are we doing? I'm doing great. It's only been, if you look at the dates, it's only been just over a month, but it feels like, I don't know, three years since we recorded that last one. I know. I noticed you went to Colorado over that time period. I uh, did. I went up to the mountains to. I went up to the mountains to find myself, and um, I, I, I couldn't. And so we're doing this podcast again. So here we are. After a, uh, I guess I would say a brief trip to Cambridge, Illinois, uh, my hometown. Chris Werner is also on the pod today. Chris, how was that trip? That trip was. It was fun. A lot of golf. A lot of good times. Riveting games of hide and seek. I mean, not much better. You love ordering non-wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, Chris labored over these brisket tacos. He ordered them, and they came like 10 minutes after the rest of the food, and he was really suffering there for a minute. I'm, I'm sorry, Robert, but I'm going through everyone who's been on a trip. Uh, so Chloe Peterson is also joining the show. She was in Wisconsin for a weekend. Chloe, how was that trip? How have the last four weeks and change been for you? They've been great. In those four weeks, Wisconsin sports decided to die. So I'm just here now, back in Iowa. Robert made a trip to, let's go with this. Robert went to Marion, Iowa, at least multiple times. Robert, how was the trip to Marion? Now you're back in Iowa City. It, it was good. The, uh, you know, going 40 minutes back home, uh, spending some time with family. It was a, it was a good time, relaxing a little bit between the uh, end of the spring semester and the semester and the start of our summer session. So excited to uh, get things rolling again we should also make some notes here robert reed is no longer pregame editor breaking news specialist for the summer he is co-summer editor at the daily iowan and chloe peterson is now summer sports editor uh while chris and i are technically inactive uh Chivanch is loosely attached to the daily iowan you just described my entire career <laughs> loosely attached to the yeah i'll take it i think that's a good way to put it shavash is still trying to find himself yeah that's the the trip to colorado just man it it brought up more questions than answers before we get too deep into that topic let's let's start with carson shockey uh chris fill us in on alex shockey's brother um tell us about his his recent you know happenings well, with his recent happenings, I don't know how, how much longer he's going to be known as Alex Shockey's brother because he qualified for the U.S. Open uh, this past Monday, got through the local qualifying uh, in Nebraska last month, and then sectional qualifying was earlier this week. I think there was something like 13 sectional qualifiers across the country. Pretty much the top six or seven from each one got, in, got an exemption into the U.S. Open, and he, on his fourth 
time to sectional qualifying. He'd been there three times before. He was in Springfield, Ohio, and he know he didn't just qualify for the US Open. He won the qualifier with a bunch of PGA Tour pros uh, that you see on TV every week in the field. So it was a pretty darn impressive showing from the elder Shockey. Um, fired a bogey-free 63 in the final round to win the win the event by three shots, paired with Troy Merritt, who was arguably the uh, the most noteworthy player in that field. So it was, I mean, pretty impressive. And he was, talked to him afterwards. He said he wasn't surprised. He was just, this is the best his game's ever felt. So there's no reason to to think that he, he might not do something special there, make the cut and maybe even more. So there's a couple Alex Shockey adjacent things I want to talk about before we get into that. First of all, Alex Shockey is now qualified uh, for the Form A Tour via the PGA Tour University program. Um, and Alex also competed in U.S. Open qualifying himself, did he not? He did. He, he, I think the qualifying score um, was something like 68 or something. And he, he shot a 76 there. So he wasn't, he wasn't too close to qualifying um, for the U S open, but what he did qualify for was a professional golf tour right out of college through PGA tour university. Kind of had to wait it out there at the uh, NCAA championships, had to watch it from home. Cause he didn't really, he didn't, he failed to qualify for those, but he was in 14th place on the, on that list on the PGA tour university list and top 15, make it to, or six through 15, make it to four May tour. And then one through five, get to the web.com corn fairy. Sorry. Yeah. Respect the sponsors. Exactly. Um, I mean, but really corn fairy, that's not good, but uh, yeah, he, he got through, he actually moved up a spot because with all the point systems and everything, it shook out so that he had, he moved up a spot without even playing. So he's got full status there. And it's usually in Canada, but since they're still struggling with COVID, it's going to be an eight, se- eight uh, tournament season all in the United States. And that starts June 23rd, which is the week after the U.S. Open. So he's going to be caddying for Carson, California at Torrey Pines, then making the trek down to Georgia to, uh, to start his professional career as a player. So it's going to be, going to be pretty cool. And Carson, who had um, kind of... Not, not full status, but conditional status on that form, form A tour is going to try to do the Monday qualifiers for those. So they'll both be, they'll both be trying, to, trying to sink their teeth into the professional golf ranks um, this summer. So, I mean, it's off, they're off to a great start. I, I wanted to first say, uh, Robert, in response to your comment in the chat, Corn Ferry is a perfectly reasonable and legitimate investment firm. Um, and I'd like to make it clear that if they want to sponsor this podcast – uh, we do like them. Talk to me a little bit about your conversation with Carson and, and what he said, you know, the opportunities like to compete in the U S open. I asked him about it and he, obviously he dreams of playing in the U S open, but he said he likes the masters more, but uh, that, that might change. He, he continually referenced that it was special because Tiger Woods had won there before. And I mean, 
he was so active on social media, thanking everybody for their congratulations and posting the like the official letters he got from the USDA. And he pretty much every answer he to every question he ended with, I'm just so excited to get rolling at the, at Torrey Pines. So pretty much said everything there is to say about being excited to play in a major. I mean, he's only played in one, one PGA tour event. I want to say he played in one corn Ferry tour event, one PGA, which was a sponsor's exemption into the 2015 John Deere. Now he's in a major, it's going to be a pretty big jump, but he continually said he wasn't surprised that he qualified because he'd been there four times before into the sectionals. And he said that, I mean, it's the best he's been playing. So he's, he's playing the best golf of his career right now. And he's, he's just excited to excited to be playing out there. And he played with Troy Merritt. And uh, I mean, he showed he can, he can play with the best of them and beat him by a lot of strokes. So there's not, there's not much that isn't going right for him at the moment. So to, to level with you and be legitimate, what did he say about his chances to make the cut at this event? Because amateurs don't exactly have a great record at the U.S. Open of making the cut. I mean, Carson's not an amateur technically, um, but, you know, lesser known uh, sectional qualifiers don't typically have a great track record at the U.S. Open. Well, I asked him about what his goals are, and I was like, do you make the cut or whatever it is? And he goes, no, I tried to do that when I played the John Deere. He, he said that his mindset going into that first PGA Tour event was like, oh, if I play the best I can, I have a con- shot at contention. And he was just had that in the back of his mind the whole round. And he had, didn't end up playing very well. So his, his goal is just to play solid rounds of golf and just take it one shot at a time. And he's shown he can compete with the guys that will be playing, or some of them. He has a, the... As, as good a shot as anybody does to make the cut. He he doesn't feel overmatched at all. I mean, Tory, he said Tory Pines is going to be hard, which it is because it's a U.S. Open, but it's going to be hard for everybody. So, I mean, he his prep, he's just got to prepare and everything. And he, he's not, he wasn't scared at all. He, he said he'd been preparing for this his whole life and he's excited it's finally here. And Alex did tell me when I was talking to him earlier that he wouldn't be surprised if Carson qualified for the U.S. Open. So... Maybe I'll ask Alex if he'll make the cut and whatever he says goes. So last thing I want to touch on with this, they're both obviously the ultimate goal for both of them, right. Is to make it on the PGA tour, obviously a U.S. open made cut or whatever top, whatever finish is going to give you a cascade of opportunities, but let's just say both of them go through the summer and they're trying to make it on the four May tour. Um, Carson Monday qualifying Alex with automatic qualifications What's the path to the Corn Ferry Tour from there? Um, I know Corn Ferry to get promoted to the PGA Tour, it's like three wins or top yeah. whatever at the end of the season. What's it like for four made a Corn Ferry? I believe it is top five, like points or money winner, whatever it is on that on the form tour. But and obviously you might get some sponsors exemptions and stuff if you're you're playing well but not quite in there. But Alex did stress that if you finish like top 50 on the form tour list after the eight, you, you re- retain your status there. So he just said he has to play like one good tournament at least to, to remain on the form tour. But I mean, the, the path to the corn ferry from there is, is pretty uphill, but I mean, if they've both, both shockies have shown when they're playing well, they, they're, they're hard to beat. So, I mean, Alex was a, a winner this year in college and obviously it for, four top tens and six events, maybe five, I think five, five top fives and six events. So he's, he's got a shot They're They're both just looking up, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one or both of them uh, on the corn period tour soon.
So the last, like, sort of let's let's take a step back and look at the greater scope of the U.S. Open um, because it's fun to just name a random golfer that you think is going to win the tournament. Um, if anyone on this podcast panel would like to pick Carson Shockey to win the U.S. Open as their official pick, I am now opening that invitation up. I'll do it. Uh, sorry, I got I got no expert opinion to lose. I'll do it. I also have to shout out the push cart mafia because we talked about that. Carson uses a push cart. Um, and it was raining and he thinks he, he thinks he got five shots on the field because he didn't have to hold his umbrella. So had, had to get that in there. Might, might have to purchase one when I, when I play, but no push carts allowed in the U S open. So we'll see. So suspicious, Chris, give us, give us a selection for the U S open. Give us your one golfer, Carson Shockey, who is your pick to win this tournament? Go with Ricky Fowler even though he didn't qualify. I will say, I'll go out on a limb and say Smiley Kaufman wins this week and then wins the US Open. No, uh, I will go. That's interesting. I'm trying to think who is playing well at the moment. I mean, if John Rahm doesn't get, doesn't have COVID, I mean, he, he was going to win the Memorial by six shots. So I'll go with either Rahm or we'll go, we'll go with Dustin Johnson. I like that pick. Um, I, I don't know. It feels like a Brooks Kepka week to me. No, um, I think, I think Brooks is, is, I mean, he's literally a piece of iron. He lost to Phil Mickelson, but it was Phil's week and it was whatever is a magical moment. Um, I think this is Brooks Kepka's week. He's got the beef with Bryson DeChambeau there to amp him up. Uh, I like Brooks Kepka next week at the U S open. I feel like Tory Pines is going to be his golf course. So last person who's currently still on the panel because Robert has vanished. <laughs> Chloe, give us your U.S. Open pick. Who is your one golfer that's going to win it all? Um, I know three golfers off the top of my head. Multiple of them have been listed already. Is Phil Mickelson playing this tournament? <laughs> <laughs> Phil Mickelson is playing this tournament. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is exactly how I thought that would go. Chloe, Chloe, I'm right there with you. I'm. That's why. I, that's why I picked. That's why Wendy offered. I just said yes. <laughs> Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship this year. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. I knew that. That's how I knew knew who he was. So before we get away from University of Iowa related athletics, um, talked about Carson Shockey. Let's move on to some other notable Iowa athletes like Jalen McConico, Lalaga Tasaga, uh, Wayne Lawrence, uh, Robert Ke- or Robert Chloe. Sorry, uh, who am I missing? from that bunch that we should be watching out for at the NCAA men's and women's division one track and field championships this weekend in Eugene, Oregon. I mean, I would throw Jamal Britt's name out there competing on the men's side in two hurdles events, you know, just overall, uh, obviously Tasaga on the women's side is going for gold in both the discus and the shot put, but the men's team just as a whole is going for its first outdoor top 10 finish nationally since 1932. This is the same men's team that's won three consecutive Big Ten championships, counting indoor and outdoor and, you know, excluding the one that was canceled because of the pandemic. But a lot of momentum on this men's program right now. Joy Woody has stated, director of field that is, that he wants that top 10 finish to really push Iowa into the next stratosphere, I guess, is the term we've used on this uh, podcast before. But push them to that next level of national track relevance. So um, with people like Britt, Lawrence, everyone we've mentioned so far, um, good performance out 
performances out of them would, you know, help solidify that top 10 ranking. Uh, Chloe, I don't know what else you want to add. I mean, I feel like Jalen McConaughey honestly has a good chance to finish very high in the 110 meter hurdles. He won the West preliminaries in Texas last week, and now he's going in as, I don't know exactly what CD is, but he's going into the championships as the preliminary winner. So I think he has a good chance to make, to maybe be top five or top three. So Iowa has, Iowa's men's team has big 10 and two big 10 outdoor titles to his name. The last two, the 2019 and the 2021 titles. Um, and they also have the uh, 21 uh, indoor championship title to their name as well. Um, Chris, you, t- you've covered Jamal Britt a little bit at a couple of meets, especially the one uh, that jumps out to me is the one where he broke the school record uh, in the 110 meter hurdles. You know, what do you think his ceiling is? Um, and talk to me a little bit that about, I mean, at that time, that time ranked like second in the country, didn't it? Yeah, he was second in the country behind a runner from Florida state, I think Trey Cunningham. And that, I think he was like two or three hundredths of a second behind him. And I mean, he, 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 he was a whole 10th of a second faster than his previous best, which was seven, seven. And he ran a seven, six, um, at the Hawkeye big 10 invitational that they hosted. So, I, I mean, he said he was surprised. I asked him like, if he saw it coming, if there was anything led him to believe he had some, a performance like this coming up and he was just surprised. But I mean, if the thing is that all these hurdlers, the race is so short that they know if they mess up one little thing, even like the casual viewer or anybody in the media that doesn't really know the ins and outs of running hurdles wouldn't see it as a mistake, but they know all these little intricacies and things. So I'm sure if like everyone ran a perfect race, the times would be a lot faster. And that's just what he did that day. So, I mean, I feel like everybody has a perfect race in them and he just decided to, he just had, had it in him that day. So he definitely, I mean, all these guys probably have times in, in the tank that that would just blow the blow the socks off the place but the 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 trick is getting every single thing right when it when it matters so i mean that's that's the that's the that's the hurdle to get over so mechanico and brit both competed at the drake relays um they were invited by team usa track and field and we can get into the olympics today or later on some other podcast um i know chloe you've been pursuing that story um but let's let's. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Lalaga Tasaga. Obviously, uh, Robert, you did a very in-depth profile on her in the spring. Chloe, you've talked to her a little bit this off-season. What do y'all want to say? I guess at this moment about Lalaga Tasaga and her chances to repeat as an NCAA champion. Uh, but yeah, this is the opportunity Tasaga has been waiting basically a year for over a year at this point is repeating in the discus. Uh, at the NCAA level, she won in 2019, last year after the pandemic canceled the rest of the season. This time, things are a little different. She is kind of, I think she referred to herself in Chloe's story as the underdog in the discus, um, a thrower from Ohio State. No, that's shot put. Chloe, who's top in the discus in the nation? Um, it is a thrower from Arizona State. It is a girl named Jordan Van Klinken. Yeah, so Tasaga isn't even first nationally in either of those categories, uh, discus being the one obviously she won in a couple of years ago, but I don't know if that's something she's necessarily concerned about. I mean, she didn't get to compete indoor in anything, didn't get a whole lot of opportunities to compete outdoor, so she definitely still has her best performance in her 
um, for this outdoor season. And, you know, she basically holds every record Iowa has that a thrower can have. Um, she's already been an NCAA champion. She's, you know, at this point, countless uh, Big Ten titles. She's one of the most accomplished Iowa athletes in general in recent memory. Um, so I don't think anyone should be surprised, even though if she's not necessarily the favorite, that she is at the top of the podium for the discus um, at the end of this week. And, you know, she had Tasaga that is, has described her relationship with the shot put as a love hate relationship. Um, some of the forms and, and things and her motion, she doesn't always love, but you know, she's still pretty good at it. So maybe she has an update or uh, an upset in her in there as well, but discus obviously a little more confident in. Chloe, you've talked to her a little bit more recently. You wrote the preview uh, that we put out for this particular event. What did Tasaga have to say about this upcoming weekend and, and how much it might mean to her um, to be able to stand atop the podium? Or, you know, what, what stood out to you when you talked to her? Um, something that stood out, like she, she acknowledged like right away that she was the underdog. She's the number two seed in both the shot put and the discus. And um, Van Klinken holds the world record in the um the discus right now even though it's not listed in the NCAA but she said she was just going to go out and like fight to the finish she said multiple times that she's going going to go give it her all because it's her last time a college student or as a collegiate track athlete competing in the NCAAs and she has the chance to become one of three Hawkeyes in history to be a repeat champion so she said she's just going to go out there and do whatever she can and the chips will fall where it may for her. So I also wanted to talk to, I mean, Robert, the big project you wrote on her focused a lot about, you know, the, the centerpiece of the story, a lot of it was legacy. Um, how does La Laga reflect on her legacy and her time as a Hawkeye? Um, you know, when she looks back, I, I think she mentioned that she thought people might forget about her. Yeah, it, she was very candid and very honest about a lot of this stuff, which, you know, as a sports journalist, you really appreciate. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with all the Big Ten championships, the NCAA title, all the school records, she is one of the most accomplished Hawkeye athletes ever. And, you know, despite all these accolades and everything she's accomplished in her now five years as a Hawkeye, there is some thought there that she's not going to be remembered um, as well or as much as some of her very accomplished peers at the moment, you know, whether it be National Player of the Year in men's basketball, Luca Garza, three-time national champion wrestler Spencer Lee, freshman phenom Caitlin Clark, all these really accomplished athletes, which there's a lot of them at Iowa right now. It's a really good time for Iowa athletics from a competition standpoint and really deep in terms of how many teams and athletes are so good right now. Um, but Tasaga does feel like despite all she's accomplished, and even if she does win, you know, that second NCAA title that, you know, how much is that going to be remembered? And part of that is, you know, being a track athlete and kind of in an underappreciated sport to begin with, at least in the U.S., um, you know, just from a viewership standpoint, a recognizability standpoint, you know, track isn't going to be talked about or watched as much as something like football or men's basketball or, you know, in Iowa City, something like wrestling. Um, so that is part of why it factors in, but um, you know, and Tasaga has said like, she loves Iowa. She loves that. She came to Iowa. She loves living in Iowa city. She's going to continue to live in Iowa city as she pursues a professional career, at least at first. Um, but 
you know, there is that thought that, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking for her that despite all she's accomplished, she, you know, might not have made enough of a mark in Iowa history, which obviously um, isn't true, but isn't necessarily getting the same type of recognition as some of those other athletes I mentioned. So, you know, that's not something that, you know, she's overly concerned about. Obviously she's just going to keep going out and winning or trying to win events. And, you know, that could take her all the way to the Olympic podium, but there is that small piece of her who, you know, wants more uh, praise, I guess, from a public standpoint for what she's done. And, you know, talking to her teammates and her coaches, they're right there with her and being upset about some of the lack of recognition she um, will get. Like if, if someone on Twitter is mentioning great Iowa athletes at the, uh, at the school right now and Tasaga isn't mentioned among them, uh, someone's getting, um, you, you know, one of her teammates is going to come to her defense on Twitter and it happens pretty frequently. Um, so you can tell they're, they may even be more upset at this point at some of the uh, lack of praise she gets compared to even, you know, Tasaga herself. But, you know, again, not going to be super it's not going to be a distraction or anything for Tasaga as she makes this final stretch as a Hawkeye but just something to kind of keep in mind in the background and it was at the centerpiece um, of the story I wrote at the end of the semester let's let's transition to the NBA finals we've made some predictions earlier on this podcast we've had a couple teams already eliminated um, from this year's postseason Lakers are one that come to mind that's prominent Um, so now we're left with the Jazz Clippers uh, the Nuggets, um, Suns, the Suns, yes, the Suns, the 76ers, the Hawks, the Bucks, and the Nets. And out of those eight teams, who wants to pick a team that's not the Brooklyn Nets? Exactly. I would, I picked the Clippers earlier in this podcast, and the Clippers and the Nets are my top two. So I will go, I will stick with the Clippers because somebody's going to pick the Nets and be right. I'm, I am picking the Nets. I'm going to, my finals pre or prediction is going to be the Brooklyn Nets against the Phoenix Suns. We got that Ooh. Steve Nash going against his former team storyline, and it's just going to be a good time. Uh, Chris, you said you have Clippers over the Nets. Uh, no. Well, I'm going to have to because somebody said don't. Austin said don't pick the Nets, so mm-hmm. I'm appeasing Austin. Okay, fair enough. I'll take uh, I'll take Nets over. Clippers. I wanted to go Nets. Over Somebody Sun. already picked the Nets. This was the whole. This, that was the whole crux of the situation. Care. You're not supposed to pick. Oh, well, I picked the Nets too. I'm going to be Who's right it? as well. I want to be right. Nets over the Clippers. Um, I was gonna. I was gonna agree with Robert and say Nets over the Suns, but I think I just think that's too easy. I Are think, we? I think. I think something's going to happen here. So, for the sake of the storyline, um, I will take the Phoenix Suns to win the NBA Finals this year, and if we have a Suns. Nets finals, uh, just for that sake, and and Shavanch likes the Nets, and Robert's like Robert likes the Nets. Um, we can we can do a little NBA finals bet on this pod. Person who picks the winning team gets a cake, um, and we can and we can go from there. But I will the take other, the- that the others have to bake. Yes, yes, correct, correct. Uh, so let's just say, in this instance, the Suns beat the Nets. I will take a cake from either you or Robert. Um, and if the Nets beat the Suns, then obviously I will bake a cake for both of you. 
So I, I think that's the, the route we should go down. And obviously if none I, of those I have, I have then... a counter proposal. Um, no okay. matter, no matter what happens, uh, Chris bakes all of us a cake. Oh, I, I, like I actually, I, I can actually get in the kitchen and whip up something. Hey, Chloe, you missed a lot. You missed Chloe, it. are the, are the bucks going to make the finals? Yeah, that, that was our next no. bet. Will the Bucks win one game this series? Hell no, is my answer. My internet decided to just fail like just the like, Bucks have like the, the past two games. Ooh. You beat me to it. I was about to say that. So we've got on this podcast, Chloe, Shavanch and Robert are with the Nets. Chris took the Clippers. Why is that a to you? No, he's in, no he's, he locked in the Clippers. I, I we all heard it. That's fine. Why, is, why was he laughing? They beat a team with one good player in a seven-game series. You know what? Shut the heck up, all right? The, Maver- the Mavericks aren't a good basketball team right now. They're not a complete basketball team. It's Luka Doncic and a litany of 14 other You know scrubs. what? And Mark, and Mark Cuban scowling on the sidelines. Yes, and Mark Cuban. It's, it's the Luka Doncic show. He has no help. It's like the 2008 LeBron Cavaliers in Dallas. Um, and didn't, I mean, didn't they make the finals? Yeah, but they didn't win the finals. But I mean, we all know the Clippers aren't going to win. I just picked them because no, I'm, you picked them. I was told not to pick the Nets. No, you weren't. That he asked. The, yep. He asked if anyone was not picking the Nets, and you're the only one that spoke up for some reason. You didn't have to. Chloe, you've heard the selections from across the panel here. I I've heard you're not too confident in the Milwaukee Bucks. So you give know, us your NBA champion. As much as it pains me that the Bucks just decide to suck this series. You know I'll go with the Suns. Went into this series with optimism that the Bucks were going to do something good. But here we are. So now, Chloe, you're looped in on this bet that we've been talking about. Uh, Shavanch and Robert both picked the Nets. You and I both picked the Suns. If the Nets win, we get cakes from Shavanch and Robert. And if the, uh, or if the Nets win, we give them cakes. And if the Suns win, we get cakes from them. And if the Clippers lose, Chris gives everyone a cake. Yes. So, it, so wait, so wait, we're gonna get okay. A cake. But if the, okay, if the Nets lose, you don't have to do anything. But if the Clippers lose, I have to do something. Sorry, yeah. sorry. When the Clippers lose, you have to do something. And, and Austin, <laughs> are you telling me, going back to your comment about the Dallas Mavericks having no good players, are you telling me Willie Cauley-Stein is not a top-tier NBA player? We are really off the rails at this point. Can I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., come on now. J.J. Robert, what rails were we on? When were we ever on the rails at this podcast? Today? Did we have rails? Did this podcast Is this podcast a train? Kelsey, come back. I'd You're like going to hear this and like execute me and Austin. <laughs> I'd like to note that J.J. Redick does not play for the Mavericks. Hold on. <laughs> I looked up the roster and he was on it, man. JJ Redick is with the Pelicans last I checked. Oh, I think he actually is on the Mavericks. Let's go. Yeah, you can shut up. I'm right, you're wrong. Let's I go. I can't confirm, but I can per ESPN. Woj, tweet about it. Come on, do it. Let's it go. does we're it back. does say right there. Last topic of the day. Speaking of, of Wisconsin speaking of Wisconsin sports failures. <laughs> I don't like the you swing this transition however you want. Uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers, he's um, you know, he doesn't like the GM, the same GM that brought them to thirteen and three twice in a row. 
uh, for some reason, Aaron Rodgers isn't a, isn't a fan and wants out. And maybe he's going to go to Denver. But maybe a different quarterback is going to go to Denver. Maybe Drew Locke is going to stay in Denver. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater is – why is every quarterback tied to Denver at this point? Can we start you with can, that? You can throw it further. There's thinner air. And, Chloe, who is that GM? Did you just freeze again or does she – No, not? she's <laughs> – Brian Gudikins, okay. Uh, Paul, I believe. Brian. Is it Ryan? It's Brian. Oh, Brian. Brian. It doesn't guy. matter. <laughs> is. Aaron Rodgers is done as a Packer. Aaron Rodgers is done and as a Packer. Happier times are ahead. Yes. Matt Stafford I, is done as a I'm Lion. I'm so sad. That whole division. Okay. I mean, Matthew Stafford done as a Lion. I'm just saying like, that division. I'm just saying that divisions. It's it's switching. And next year, Kirk is going to be gone. It's just going to be Fields. It's going to be Fields and Andy. It's just going to be Fields and Andy Dalton. <laughs> and Nick Foles. Don't forget about Nick. I will forget for record, about Nick. For the record, I thought the Bears were going to draft Mac Jones. I did too. I really yeah, did. that that division that division is going to going to turn. I don't think um, it's it's it. I, don't, I hate to give you guys optimism because I God knows how annoying it is to have a, a litany of Bears fans on this podcast with me. Yeah, but imagine the Bears. It. Imagine the Bears being good. Imagine the Bears it's being like be the crazy. most the most stable quarterback room in the division. That's essentially. I mean, that's gonna be that's the first time in my life that that's ever happened. Because I, I I do think Dalton's gonna start the first three games of the season. I think you're then, right, and then but, Fields will take over. But other than that. Rodgers is probably not going to be a Packer, as Robert said. Um, Jared Goff is a sacrificial lamb to the to the f- first overall pick gods. Um, so so that's about how that's going to go. Yeah, it's 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 insane. I mean, the Bears really did just go from the worst quarterback room to the best in the NFC North in like a two month span because Aaron Rodgers is gone. Kirk Cousins is is fine. He's probably going to not be a Viking after a while. Um, I think he actually signed an extension, though. Yeah, but we can't forget they have uh, the QB sneak goat up there. Uh, so we, we have to take that into account as the third stringer at this point. It's true. They have Nate Stanley, the Vikings do. Uh, Jared Goff is not very good. So, yeah, I, 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 so I guess, first of all, I can't blame Aaron Rodgers for not showing up to voluntary minicamp, right? It's voluntary. And if I had the choice to go hang out with Shailene Woodley and Miles Teller in Hawaii or report to Green Bay, Wisconsin for, you know, voluntary minicamp, I would choose the first thing, obviously. But he is skipping mandatory minicamps now. Uh, And today I read that Jordan Love said he will be ready for week one. If it mm. comes to that, mm. uh, Chloe, I want to get your comment on that situation at this time. Um, my comment is I'm looking forward to Jordan Love versus Andy Dalton week six of this season. Yes. Yeah, that's actually kind of fair. I mean, I, if the Packers lose, I might just curl up and wither away. You know what I hope they we- I hope, I, they, I hope they flex that game into primetime thinking that Justin Fields will start and it just ends up being Andy Dalton against Jordan Love and Chris Collinsworth has to stumble around it. Can I can't can have I, a good quarterback? Neither can the Bears. I would like that to point out a question. Um, and this is kind of alluding to what I started this thing with. Where is he going to go? Because everyone can't just up and go to Denver. He'll probably stay in Hawaii. If he does anything other than retire, I will riot. I, I think Jeopardy is a pretty attractive option for him. Yeah, yeah. I'd be good with that. That's what I was going to say. I think the most likely destination is Jeopardy, although I don't think they'll pick him as the host. Uh, Buzzy Cohen has been pretty good of late. 
Um, we also have um, the Reading Rainbow guy um, <laughs> coming up. He'll be good. Uh, if they could get Bill Nye, the science guy, I'd be a fan of that. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the favorite to win the Jeopardy job. Um, but I, I, I could see a reasonable situation where he gets traded to the Bears. No, I'm kidding. Um, I would. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put. Now that they have, you know, the head coach to to have his head on his shoulders, but just kind of like keeping an eye on Vegas. I think that'd be a really interesting trade if if Rodgers were to end up there because they have a half decent team around him. Not probably not as complete as the Broncos. Um, Derek Carr is not bad, but not exactly inspiring. So maybe they switch something up there. And John Gruden and Aaron Rodgers in the same roof is the only is the only kind of like asterisk there. Like it, I'm not sure if that would work. To give fair credit to the Reading Rainbow guy, uh, his oh name is Lavar Burton. I knew. I, how did you not know Lavar Burton? I didn't Goodness. know that he was. I didn't know the Reading Rainbow guy's name. I haven't watched it since I was ten. <laughs> I haven't watched it since I was twenty. <laughs> For context, <laughs> Shavanch is twenty-two. Indeed, I don't know about you. Uh, oh, but I'm no, no, not that. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> all right, can we wrap this thing up? I think with all the with all the derailments, I'm gonna have a fun day tomorrow. So can I throw out one last Aaron Rodgers trade destination oh. that I like? <laughs> Robert wants to die. <laughs> Robert wanted the guy at his door to just take him. <laughs> Robert just wanted to leave forever. <laughs> Go ahead. I, Go I ahead. Just, one last trade destination. I don't hear it. I just want to say that I'm rooting for this particular storyline. Um I want Brian Gutekunst to banish Aaron Rodgers to Houston and trade Ooh. him to the Texans, get a bunch of those sweet high first round picks, and leave Aaron Rodgers to rot in Houston for they the don't rest have of any, his career. They don't have any more, though. What other first round picks do they have? Like the 24 one they just opened up. You know what I say? Straight up, Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson. Uh. You know what I say? Trade him to the Cowboys so he can reunite with Mike McCarthy. Oh except, yeah, that's fair. Except guy? they just except he uh, hates Mike McCarthy. Name a name a name a coach he he likes exactly. He could go back up Tom Brady and win a ring. <laughs> That'd uh, be unfair. That would actually be fun. Put put Aaron Rodgers, split him out wide at receiver, and you can do the double quarterback pass. Um, but anyway, this has been the DI scoreboard. We thank you for listening to us this week. We hope you'll join us again next week. As always, I am your host, Austin Hansen. I'd like to thank our guests, Chloe Peterson, Robert Reed, and Chris Werner for joining us. And as always, I'd like to thank my co-host, Javon Chahuza, for putting up with me. I miss, I, I just botched his name. <laughs> my mouth is dry. It didn't have to come back to it. I was going to look so damn dry. I was slide, but you went right back. It's Mike. I'd like to thank my co-host Shivancha Hoosia for tolerating me, um, <laughs> and for for tolerating me mispronouncing his name just now. Um, as always, this podcast is sponsored by absolutely no one. Maybe Corn Ferry or MediaCom, depending on which one makes us a more appealing offer. Or if any listeners have a company, you, it's a wide open. If you line. have a company, let us know. Send Robert a DM directly. Exactly. <laughs> Or Wendell Cerner, whoever that might be. <laughs> Wendell Cerner. DM us at W Cerner on Twitter. Exactly. You know what? <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, you better be a fun guy, all right? <laughs> better be a fun guy that drops 60, 60 a game. Calling him a mushroom? Huh? You calling him a mushroom because he's a fun guy?
Oh, God. <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> no, I'm cutting that one out. <laughs> All right. So, Chloe, you hurt. That hurt me. <laughs> Name another famous Phil. Uh, uh, doctor. doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I stand down. I was under my mother for a long time and I came out for this.